Welcome to This One's For The Dads, a podcast dedicated to encouraging every father in biblical understanding of everyday life. Now, here are your hosts, Michael and Taylor. Welcome to episode zero of This One Is For The Dads. My name's Taylor, joined here with Michael Weidman. We're excited to get started here with episode one. Michael, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing really well. I had my coffee, which means I'm doing really well. You know, I actually didn't know you were a coffee person. That is like brand new to episode zero right here. I'm learning stuff about you. (laughs) So here's what happened. I hated coffee. It was super bitter. Then my wife asked me to make it for her when we got married. And it started, it started the same way it happened with LaCroix. She was having it and I was just like, Hey, mind if I have a sip? And then the next time I was like, can I drink half your cup? And then I just started making my own coffee. Milk, milk made the difference. It was too bitter black and everyone I knew drank it black. And then I started adding cream and it was like, I was off. Yeah. Well, that's just one of the many things you're going to learn about <laughs> us on this podcast. And I, I'm sure we're going to learn a lot about each other. We're excited for this episode zero to kind of kick off and this episode's going to be kind of different from what you are going to be normal to on this podcast, but we're just going to kind of give you guys a little background on us, how we met, who we are, where we come from, what we're doing now, and then give you this purpose of this podcast, kind of encourage you guys as to why you should listen again. Why should you ever tune in to another podcast of This One's For The Dads? So we're just going to kick it off right off the beginning, talking about Michael and I's relationship. We've known each other for a very, very long time. We grew up together going to the same church, Calvary Chapel Garland, for, my goodness, 18 years. I think 19 is what I'm going on here at the church. You've obviously been absent for for a bit of that time now, but it started all out in children's ministry, worshiping together, taking classes together. Michael is just a grade above me, if I'm correct. Yeah, um, I'm 24. And you are I'm 23 now as of yesterday. So that's uh, exciting. And uh, so, yeah, so just a grade above me. Um, we grew up through all of the different classes here. One of the things that we love about Calvary Chapel Garland, the church that we attended is, is that we have specific children's ministries for on grade level teaching. And so we grew up together in that, ended up in youth group together, serving alongside one another. Um, on the worship team, we were kind of student leaders in our youth coming into his senior, my junior year, and then also my jun- my senior year when he was gone. Um, and then, sure enough, Michael headed off and we have stayed friends since then. But our relationship, kind of our dynamic as a duo has been very, very interesting over the years. Am I right? Um, so what he means is I was a massive turd. And I would not, not metaphorically, but literally try to beat him up. Sometimes I succeeded, you know, and then everything mellowed out. (laughs) But let's not get anything wrong here. I was totally asking for it and totally taunted him to the best of my ability, pushing every button that I possibly could to get him to fight me. So (laughs) I totally asked for it. But yeah, that's kind of where our relationship started. Uh, We grew up that way. Yeah, Yeah, on a rough note for sure. But, you know, 
it's kind of that brotherly love because by the end of it all, I think that it's one of those things that we we look back and we laugh at and we go, why did we ever do that? What were we thinking? Um, yes. And especially with how our relationship has developed and, and who we've become, um, I couldn't imagine it really any other way, um, which is awesome. But just a lot of time in youth was spent together. Um, we grew up just serving alongside each other. Michael um, was originally asked to play drums for our worship team. And man, you've yep. really become a, a multi-talented man over these past years, you know, just you picking up all the instruments that I've been playing all these years too. Slowly and not as good as you, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we started out that way. We both played drums in high school. And so we both have that background. And then really the church I've, I personally have filled in on a note of wherever the church needed me. So I picked up guitar when I needed it. I picked up drums when I needed it. I picked up bass when I needed it. And Michael was the same way. In fact, there was a period of time here where you and I were, if you were on drums, I was on bass. And if I was on bass, you were on, or if I was on drums, you were on bass, just kind of back yeah. and forth, just, just switching out. Whenever we got tired, and be like, <laughs> yeah, I think I want to do the other one today. Yeah, exactly. And so a lot of time spent doing that. We served alongside each other in camps and also doing camps together as youth, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, a lot of summer camps, a lot of investment in those times. And then you ended up going on to pursue an education, pursue a degree at uh, Texas A&M. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that? So I was about 18. My mom and dad are both from like East Coast, kind of Northwest. My dad went to the Naval Academy at a young age. I ruled that out. I did not want to <laughs> spend six months on a boat at a time. And my mom went to Penn State. So when they both moved to Texas, like a lot of the kids that I knew in elementary school had this like strong bias to some Texas school. I had none. Um, I actually initially my brother and I made a whole lot of fun of Texas A&M because of their like <laughs> rowdy traditions and like yep. anyway so but uh I visited Rice University I loved it so much and I got and I and I applied to Texas A&M because my dad was like yeah all the engineers at my work like they're great um and all the best ones are from Texas A&M so I applied to Rice and to Texas A&M I think that was actually just it um, and then in May, like it was the middle of May. Actually, I remember I was at a high school play, I think of The Tempest, and I received an email from Rice University that was like, congratulations, it's May and you didn't get rejected. You got waitlisted. And I was like, <laughs> wow. you know what? It's May. Forget this. I want to know where I'm going to school. So I just accepted the offer to A&M. And that was basically how I ended up going to Texas A&M to study civil engineering. That's awesome. All at the <laughs> same time while you're doing that, you're going through that. I have decided at that point, which is around the 2015 years was kind of 14 era, that I'm going to go out to California and pursue a music degree in worship, which totally out in left field. Um, I was not expecting to move away. I was actually more on the boat of man, I want to stay close to home. I love my family. I love being around here. I don't care what Texas school it is. I didn't have this bias like I have to go to UT or I have to go to A&M or I have to go to TCU. But I was like, man, as long as I stay close to home, like that's great. That's just what I want to do. And then uh, the Lord very clearly and distinctly, I remember the day I was sitting in my English class, my senior year English class, 
And I remember getting this Pandora ad of all things, not an email, not an anything, a Pandora ad from Biola University. I didn't even listen to the whole thing. I didn't listen to any of the stuff at the beginning, anything it was trying to sell me. All I heard at the end of it was think biblically about everything. And I was like, what? I was like, that sounds awesome. What the heck did I just listen to? And from then on, I was just dead set that Biola was going to be where I went. Um, you actually graduated with a degree in civil engineering. Okay. I chose about halfway through that I didn't want to do this anymore. And the Lord was <laughs> calling me to do something else. So I have about half of a degree under my belt and uh, no paper to prove for it. Just bills for my loans. And so <laughs> that's uh, that's where I am. But our relationship nonetheless has been kindled even through the distance um and i know that that sounds super corny like it's from a movie but it's true it is kind of true um and and our distance and and our communication has kept us close uh kept us prodding each other on in the faith and so um but that kind of leads us to the next thing is is mike why don't you tell us a little bit about your family because it kind of leads into really how we really solidified this friendship yeah so a big part of what makes our experience unique and our friendship unique is that um, I left for Texas A&M with um, a wonderful girlfriend. Her name at the time was Bronwyn Kean. She um, basically that August was like one of the last times we spent together. I was like, hey, let's not have a long distance relationship. That sounds really awful. So like today, let's decide. I mean, we're both... 18. No, actually, she was probably 17. I was 18. And we were like, let's decide today to either break up or get married. Like, not get married today, but like, let us, let's decide. Make that to, plan. This, this yeah. is what we're going to do. And we just kind of look at each other and we're like, yeah, I'm dying to marry you. So we commit to a long distance relationship. And then um, a whole bunch of stuff happened with her family so that instead of going to community college like she planned, she ended up, um, working and so the middle of our sophomore year we were like long distance relationships uh kind of stink um and brownman was like hey i'm i'm working and you are actually i was getting money from scholarships that was in surplus of my tuition which meant it was like direct deposit and she was like you know hey let's put this money together and uh we could probably like live together as in like get married and and live together and support ourselves. And that was more or less true. So, you know, if you crunch the numbers pretty tight. So we planned from that basically Halloween to like talk to our parents and try to get married. And so between my sophomore and my junior year, uh, we had a wedding and different from any of my other friends. uh, I was the only married person that i knew at 20 years old yep and i was uh one of the groomsmen in that wedding what an honor which was awesome it was a beautiful wedding and a lot of fun it was a lot of fun so not very much later after that i i had already been dating at the time that we had met or at the time that you guys had gotten married um i had already been dating my to-be wife lydia uh, we met junior year of high school, which would be 2014. And uh, we met kind of under some really weird circumstances. We actually knew each other from far, far past. Uh, we went to middle school together, and we had mutual friends who went to elementary school together. We met at the lunchroom table of Richardson High School. 
<laughs> meeting. It, it's so, it, when I look back on it, it's so funny because it's, it was literally that we had the two, we weren't in the same class, but we had the two closest classrooms to lunch together. And we weren't friends at the time, but all the people we sat with were, we were friends with, but we would be the first two there. And it's like, you know, that awkward, like we're the only people sitting here because all our friends are still five minutes away from even getting here. And it's like, do I start eating my lunch? Do I talk to you? Do I, (laughs) you know? So after a couple months of really awkwardly just saying hello, we got to know each other and, and sure enough, she ended up actually pulling the first move and asking for my number. So all you ladies out there, you know? Take the chance. You never know because she's my uh, wife now. So, <laughs> oh my so gosh. we ended up talking, getting to know each other. And uh, we actually dated through the rest of high school. And so she is my high school sweetheart. And my senior year, we didn't know we were going to be getting into a long distance relationship whenever we uh, got, whenever we started dating. But, you know, I really felt the Lord call me to Biola. And we both agreed that, you know, if the Lord wanted us to be together, if we really were going to get married, then the distance wouldn't be a problem. Um, and it was rocky for a good long while, but we made it work. And sure enough, we got married um, right after my sophomore year. That would be what, 2017. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got married and and the climax of all of that, the pinnacle of all of that is, is that Michael was my best man at my wedding um, because we had just grown that relationship and tight knit. Uh, he'd advised me many times on prior relationships and to be fair i didn't take most of his advice and so <laughs> i decided man maybe now's a good time to realize that he, he had my intentions at his heart so <laughs> uh, he was my best man at my wedding and so and since then i mean our families have been so tight-knit every every time you guys come back to dallas we're always spending time with each other uh, always investing in one another's not just families but spiritual lives individually our wives are best friends, so it kind of makes it a, a no-brainer when we hang out and stuff like that. So yeah. So then we get to the next part because this one is not called, this podcast is not called This One's for the Husbands. It's This One's for the Dads. So we both have kids. Michael, why don't you start out? <laughs> um, my wife, this is like, I don't even know if I should share this story. Uh, no, I won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> my wife, um, she so she spent a lot of her time. No, a lot of her time <laughs> when we got married, and she came down here, and she planned on working. She got a job, the perfect job, with a daycare, basically, and she worked with first like toddlers, three year olds, and then with infants. And so, for most of that time, uh, she was like developing and fostering baby fever. (laughs) And the argument that we used, not used, uh, what we told each other when we were getting married was like, you know, the Lord didn't say in the garden to get a college degree. He said, you know, you're one flesh now. Like that was the wonderful thing that he had made. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, if marriage is the wonderful thing that God instituted for people to do with one another, like that's what's more important. Seemed like logical and it's proven to be true. And then in the same thing, it was like I had not quite graduated, but I was close enough that if Bronwyn got pregnant, we would have the baby after we graduated. And we were like, well, you know, 
have $60,000 in salary and put money away in the bank was not what the Lord said in the garden. It was be fruitful and multiply. So let's think about having a baby. And then we did. So three years into marriage, um, which seems like a normal time frame, except that we got married at, when I was yep. 20. So now I'm 23 so early, yeah. with a baby. And her name is Olivet. She's beautiful. The biggest blessing in my entire life. And so now, like, not only did you're one flesh now, and we kind of went on the Bible and said, okay, if this is what God said is a blessed life, then let's do it. In the same way, like, yeah, children are a blessed life. And we stood on that promise, and it's borne out to be absolutely true. Yeah. So Ollie, Ollie is kind of the nickname for her, but what, how old is she now? Uh, almost seven months. A couple almost days away seven. from seven months. Man, that's incredible. So crazy. It seems like yesterday, man, like that you guys yeah. are like... <laughs> Go ahead, it does seem like yesterday. So on the flip side, when we started teasing this podcast, I had not had a child yet. You had already had Ollie. Yeah. We were talking about it. And we were like, yeah, it'd be so cool to do this, um, to do this podcast and to go like through like podcast, with just do a yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, man, I'll be having this kid. It'll be so cool. Like we'll walk through this podcast together and then uh, having this kid through the podcast together. And then Boy, did having a baby put a stop to that one really quick. <laughs> yeah, you actually had your baby, and then it was like radio silence. Yeah. Until Jack is how old is he now? Yeah. Yeah, so so we had, so our story with Jack was, was that um, we were actually told that, that Lydia was unable to have kids um, without any kind of fertility drugs, without any kind of uh, doctor intervention. Um and so we were like, man, that's that's fine for now. Like, we're cool with that. We're not we weren't mad about it. Obviously, that's a fear for the future of like, man, like we do want to have kids eventually, but we weren't fearful of it. And then sure enough, as soon as we just kind of let loose and we're like, whenever God wants it to happen, he'll make it happen. Sure enough, she was pregnant. <laughs> and so that was January of last year um, of yeah, of last year. And so. Sure enough, nine months later, after coming three weeks early, we had little Jack. Um, he is coming up on four months here soon, which is really, really exciting. He's developing all those personality traits and things like that and watching yep. him like realize things and see his hands and things like that is just so cool. And I mean, watching life develop is just super cool. And so, yeah, so just a miracle really for us is that is that we were told no, we were told by doctors no. And you know what doctors said no, God said, you know what, <laughs> I'll do what I need to <laughs> to make this happen. And so, yeah. and obviously we had kind of the same scares that you guys were talking about, man, the money, well, man, about a degree, what about this, what about that? Um, and all those things are just overcome when you look at how God used it. I mean, we were told, no, get Lydia isn't, was, was not anymore, but was in the middle of getting a degree for teaching and early education. And we were, you know, oh, no, 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 no. You don't want to have a baby and trying to in the middle of getting that degree. It's just going to be crazy. It's going to be hectic. Um, and we, you know, sure enough, it's January 2020. Lydia has a degree and we have a child and she has a full time job in a school district. So, you know, praise to God that when man said, no, it's going to be too much. God said, man, I'm going to I'm going to make it happen. You guys just rely on me. So you kind of go through the pressure cooker. I mean, yeah. but 
you come out the other side. I think that in a worldly sense, you could come out the other side and you're like, I've got grit. I've got self-determination. I've yeah. got, you know, ambition. But for both of us, because we have a similar story, like, well, I'll get to that. But we have a similar story where, like, having all of that was inconvenient, to say this, yeah. please. Yeah, but that's um, legit. Yeah, inconvenient is, like, I think the perfect word for it. But, like, she's such a blessing yeah that it was all worth it and having the faith to go through that period um i come out the other end you know Mm -hmm. refined well and and i think any father listening to this can understand that it's not it's not meant to be an insult but it is a sacrifice you do give up something else to have a child you do give up other opportunities you do give up other things to have a child but that doesn't make the blessing any less sweet it's true. And it's awesome. And I would personally never trade Jack for any opportunity that came my way. Yeah. Um, I gave up in getting married and then moving back to Texas. I gave up a lot of job opportunities in esports to come back here. But I'd never trade that for anything because the blessings that I have now for being faithful to what God had for me, not what to what God has for me, not what he had for me, is yeah. so much better than anything I could have ever pioneered for myself. But you're right. Yeah, The world would want to say, oh, you have grit for coming out the other side. I like to think, yes, grit is true and, and all of that. But I like to think, man, I have more faith now because I yeah. came out of the other side in total reliance on what God was going to do. And now, look, my faith has grown because I saw, oh, wait, he pulled me through. Yeah. Yes, we had struggles. You, I'm sure we could do a whole podcast just on the struggles of just early marriage and early should. child. The point being is that it's not the struggles, you know, it's it's that other side, you know. You come out, yeah. you see the more faith, you see God be faithful, you see God's strength and all that kind of stuff. I mean, come on. It's insane. Lydia had, on, on top of just the sheer pressure that it puts on at home, she had um, professors telling her it's just a bad idea to continue. You should take a semester off and have the baby and then come back. She had family. She had friends. Everybody just like, are you sure that this is what you want to do? It's going to be exhausting. It's going to be frustrating. You're going to be put through the ringer with this. And, you know, but when she put her head to it, when we put our heads together, you want to go back to that becoming one, working together, using this for becoming one flesh. When we put our heads together on it, it's like, man, the Lord's just going to strengthen us through this. We're going to get through. And so, yeah, we both both definitely have that story. Yeah. Well, yeah. One additional reason why we're coming together and so close is so, and this is where I get back to it. Um, I, um, we both now, our mostly full time occupation is yeah. ministry. Absolutely. When, so when Olivet was born, I had graduated. Five, six months earlier mm-hmm. and Bronwyn and I were in the process of transitioning from my full-time job as an engineer to support raising so that I could go and be an intern with a ministry called Chi Alpha at Texan M. And so in the middle of like, yeah, we're losing a stable income and becoming ministers. Like now I also have a child and I kid you not, I brought my two week old, two week old daughter to a support meeting. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
So there's the other facet to this podcast is that we are both, um, I consider my occupation uh, ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you with Chi Alpha, and we'll dive into more what Chi Alpha is and, and what you really do there. And then for me, the church that we keep talking about, Calvary Chapel Garland, where we both grew up, um, I ended up coming back after college, getting married, and I worked part-time here while selling shoes at Adidas, and I worked part-time here while selling golf balls at Top Golf to people, and then finally, after all was said and done, the Lord said, you know what, we have a position open for you here at the church, and, and I ended up getting hired on here um, at the church I grew up with, so I've literally been at the same church for 19 years of my life. I was four years old when my mom brought me, and I'm still here today, um, minus those kind of two years that I was at in California and, and serving at other churches, but still calling this place my home, still knowing that my family was here in Dallas and at, at Calvary Garland. And so, um, yeah, so I'm here and I'm as much full-time ministry, I would say, as you are, you know, I think we're in the yeah. same boat with that. And so that's also our, our, another facet of this, like you said, is that we're fathers, married, looking at ministry together. How does our family fit into this? How does, how do we fit into this? How do we navigate in a world that says, you know, you need to focus on a career, you need to focus on this path, you need to focus on making money. How do we navigate in still making money to provide for our family, but still also at the same time leading and discipling our families, leading and discipling our, our ministries where where we are respectively and stuff. And so, yeah, let's just dive into that. Let, let, let's talk about Chi Alpha for a minute and really what Chi Alpha is for those who maybe don't know and then what your role right now is and maybe even... If you want to put in, I don't know how much you think about this, but your future there. Oh, I think about it a lot. <laughs> so Chi Alpha, like, um, like crew is, I think, yeah. So Chi Alpha is um, the Assembly of God, their specific college ministry. It's been going on for probably 60 plus years long long time <laughs> long time and um so the um model that chi alpha uses is primarily um to raise up students absolutely turn them on fire with a crazy zeal for christ and um in a sense, unleash them on the campus to be Christians and do what Christians do. And that means to us, grab somebody at the student union or in your class and say, why don't you come over to my house for a couple hours and we'll talk about Jesus. And they're like, you know, I'm a total pagan. (laughs) No. Yeah. And, and you're like, no, you need to come over to my house. And so, students of their own volition and desire and love for Jesus pull people into their homes and do what we believe the Bible calls discipleship. And that's talk to them about the Lord, share their life, share their food, share their time, share their friendship, and win people to Christ. Show them how lovely and wonderful Christ is. Um, Draw them into the life of being a Christian show them that the world's got nothing to offer and their sin's going to kill them. And uh, um, 
and love on them and and turn them into Christians until they do the same thing and unleash them back on the world. Yeah. So that campus. is the mission of Chi Alpha to to do that on a on a campus where you know kids are just starting to stretch their legs and do what they want with freedom. <laughs> yeah, well and um, and you hear this like soul searching, this idea of soul searching and totally. this like finding yourself in college and and it's a big deal. I mean, I believe the statistic probably still stands very strong is that about 70% of church kids who go to college walk away from the church. So Chi Alpha's ministry to those kids, those kids who are either teetering and, and considering moving away or who have never even heard the gospel. I mean, it's important to light that fire, get them excited, get them engaged in this life that we call Christianity and, and, and this relationship we have with Jesus. Yeah. So we love the lost and we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to radically transform anyone who wants to find their purpose in Jesus and quit their sin and have have the new birth that is promised. Yeah, and I think I think a cool a facet and we hadn't even really talked about this, it just kind of came up is is with that ministry, it's so cool the way that your family as a unit is so invested in that because you know that growing up, Ollie's going to see people radically changed in this way. You know, you're talking about taking her to go see these people yes. to go do your thing. Yes. I mean, just imagine years upon years of watching, man, look at dad, just selflessly, just full abandonment in the home, outside of the home, on campus, in church, just fully represent Christ to the best of his ability and just showing the love of Jesus to everybody. Man, how cool is that, you know? That's my desire. That, like, you know, it's funny. I was listening to this sermon yesterday, and the guy's talking about, he's like, babies are dirty. And I was like, amen. <laughs> amen. But he's ta- But his point was, like, spiritual babies are dirty. But, I, but like, having basically having that, like, about some of the guys who are coming and have come into my home and I'm like ooh but to watch the way that those guys have surrendered their lives given up the griminess like that process to me is so phenomenal and like Mm -hmm. builds my faith and makes me fall in love with Jesus to take his image and creation and clean it and wash it and take the dross and wipe it away and yeah and i think about my girl watching that in front of her eyes and building this family and and all these friends that she's going to have who have been transformed and that process happening before her very eyes is is really exciting to me yeah yeah and i think you know an important Part of that and something that we are going to dive into even more on this is is that this wasn't your original intent as a father as a you know like like we just talked about you went to school to get a civil engineering job people don't go to school to get a civil engineering degree to go and be in ministry (laughs) um you know yeah not with that original intent exactly but that's that's what i mean story Yeah, you weren't like I'm gonna go be a pastor, and now this is my logical next step. I mean, you were you were just following the call of the Lord to do life, to to disciple people, 
to do that. And all of a sudden you find yourself, man, we're hosting. Because I can remember when we first talked, um, when you had kind of, you and Bronwyn had moved out and you were like, man, we just started Bible study Tuesday. Man, we just got another Bible study Thursday. Man, we just got this group, this, this day. Look, we're, we're all over the place right now with all these people. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like y'all weren't looking to get into full-time ministry. It was, hey, there are people here who need to be served. There are people here who need to hear the gospel, who need to hear this message. And I'm going to take every second that I can and do that, you know? And that doesn't take being a pastor to do. That takes being willing to do. And that's kind of the point that I'm making is, is if you're looking at this podcast, if you're listening now and going, man, I, but I don't want to be full-time in ministry. It's not, that's not what we're trying to get to here. We're talking about making yourself available as a father and as a servant, as a bond servant to this message, as Paul would say, you know, a slave to the gospel this is what we're doing. We didn't <laughs> intend for it to become this way, but the Lord has a way yeah. of doing that, of saying, hey, I've given you this little and you've been faithful with this little. Now I'm going to give you more. And you've been faithful with that and here's more and here's more and here's more. And all of a sudden, you find anywhere that you are becomes your mission field. Anywhere that you are becomes your opportunity to share with people, which is yeah. awesome. Okay. Tell us about your work at Calvary Chapel Garland. Yeah, so I, uh, I've been doing worship here, not full-time, but on a volunteer basis for almost, let's see, I was probably 13 or 14, so almost 10 years now, which is insane. It was right when I had gotten into youth group. Uh, we had a youth team. Michael probably remembers that. Uh, he do. played drums for it, and mm-hmm. literally, I wanted to play drums. Again, this is where our butting heads at the beginning had come in. I wanted to play drums, but everybody knew Michael was a far better drummer than I ever was. Um, more experienced. So, I had to, yeah. like, it's only that I had taken, like, like lessons, and yeah. that was it. And yeah. also, we couldn't have swapped because I couldn't play guitar. Yeah, and so we ended up, what I ended up doing was just being available and going, okay, well, we don't have a bassist. I'll learn bass. I had like two years of piano under me. So I kind of knew how scales went and how to work the bass. So I played bass, ended up playing guitar whenever the guitarist left. And then like we kind of explained earlier, Michael and I shared the worship team and switching around after he did learn bass and enjoyed it. And so we did that. And then, man, I went to college, studied, Loved everything about worship, hated everything about the business of worship. I just, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who does performance reviews and things like that. And they were, you know, they were really speaking to the mega churches that have hundreds of people volunteering to be on their worship team all the time. And they need to weed out who really is serious and who's really not. And that's not where I come from. I come from a congregation of 150 where, you know, we have a keyboardist and a guitarist and a bassist and a drummer. And, you know, yeah. we go with them as much as we can. And, and so when I had started out in California and I was studying, um, I come back every summer and I do summer internships here at the church. Um, and I remember my first year, the pastor here coming and saying, listen, I don't know what capacity we can actually pay you or do anything like that in. But when you're done with your time at Biola, we definitely want you to come back and serve here. Like, we can't guarantee you a job. We can't guarantee you, you know, a life, anything like that. But like, just know that we really are invested in you coming back and growing this church. And that meant a lot to me, you know, knowing that the family that I'd grown up with wanted to invest back into me. And so sure enough, two years went by. I came back, Lydia and I got married and the church was like, we can, we can support you part time. I'm like, awesome. 
pastor has been here. I actually don't know how long the pastor has been here. It's been a long time, but I knew that the the other guy, we have two guys on, on payroll, the two guys full time for the longest, as long as I can remember. And the second guy had been there for 15 years. And I was like, you know, this is awesome. I love part-time work. I, I just at the time didn't see myself going full-time. I was just working part-time, working another job and supporting our family. And then sure enough, uh, I won't, the story would take 10, 15 minutes to explain, but just through the Lord's working, the, the, the opportunity arose for me to take over the worship team, which I never thought I'd be able to do. And then sure enough, short time after that, there was an opportunity for me to come full-time on staff here um, as the worship leader and also kind of facilities management and stuff. So my kind of day-to-day and things that I do here at the church is, is we actually share uh, property with the local high school here. And so we get a lot of high schoolers coming over here. And so as the same kind of way that Chi Alpha is, you know, every day after school, I'm really trying to invest in the relationships with these youth and get them on fire so that when they get to a campus, they find yeah. a Chi Alpha and they get plugged in immediately. And there's not this struggle of, man, can we win them? Can we get them solid? It's, hey, I'm, I'm already on fire. Let me serve in Chi Alpha. And you got a freshman coming in ready yeah. to light a fire, you know, on their campus. And so um, I work a lot of days with, with those kids. And, and then every Sunday and Wednesday, I'm in charge of, of leading worship along with uh, just other admin things and cleaning and, you know, and just being a servant, serving the church, giving opportunity for others to get plugged in. And so we kind of have different positions and places in ministry, but all at the same heart, you know, which I think is yeah. what's awesome about ministry is that at the end of the day, no matter what you and I are doing, whether you're out on a college campus and I'm cleaning toilets or we're both doing worship at just separate locations, yeah. you know, whatever it may be, we're all within this together. Uh, you want to just bring scripture right into it. As Paul says, one spirit, one God, one flesh, you know, all yeah. together in unity. And so uh, that's what we strive for. And that's what we want to encourage this podcast for. You want to give a quick purpose of it. Uh, and this isn't hard set in stone, but kind of the mission statement of this, if you want to get behind this, is, is to encourage every father with biblical understanding of everyday life to better minister in and outside of the house, right? So in the house, because it all starts there, right? It all starts with our relationship with our wives, with our parents, with our families, with our children, if you have children. Yeah. Um, it starts there, being able to foster that relationship, being able to disciple in the home, being able to lead in the home as a father is majorly important, especially in this day and age, you know? We don't have a lot of biblical fatherhood outside. We don't have a lot of outside of the church, outside of this kind of thought process. Um, and so we want to encourage you fathers out there to take the torch, lead your families biblically. And then yes. also we want to talk about our ministries outside of our families, um, outside of that with our families, but outside of our homes to our neighbors, yeah. to our churches to our college campuses around, to our high school campuses, to whoever, yeah. anybody who has ears want to be able <laughs> to, to encourage you guys on how to do that. Yeah. So what can you expect? Well, we're going to keep them around hopefully 40, 45 minutes. That seems to be kind of the magic number in podcasts that you and I have listened to. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of expect a couple of different things. We're both in worship. We both serve in a worship capacity. So we're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about 
what worship songs maybe we're listening to, we're enjoying the theology behind them, how you can incorporate worship into your everyday life with your families. Um, yes. We want to talk about how to be the best leader, but also be the best follower because with this biblical leadership as a father, there's a big, big portion of it that is following an example, that is being a servant. So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about the culture, movies, things like that. Yes. We're not we're not just naive to the fact that there are movies out there. Endgame. I mean, what have you been watching? What have you watched lately? We talked about Godzilla is one that we might talk about Godzilla's down the road. One of my favorite movies. <laughs> uh Roman and I watched Aladdin last night. It was um mediocre. <laughs> the new the new one. The new, the new one. one. Yeah, the live action. <laughs> Yeah, so we want to talk anyway. about those. Uh, you know, what is the standard? How do we keep our families pure in that and watching movies that, yeah. you know, where's the line? Where do we draw that? So we're going to talk about that in future episodes. Uh, we want to talk about how do we teach our kids Bible stories? I know for me coming into this, that was probably one of the biggest questions I had was, do I just read Jack straight Genesis to Revelation out of my New of King KJV, James Bible? Baby. or? <laughs> You know, or do do I pick up a children's Bible? What do I do? And and where do we where do we draw the reasoning for those? So we want to talk about that. And um, what's biblical fatherhood? We're going to talk about that. How do you communicate to your wife, being a good communicator and a household leader? And then also, we got to be honest. There's frustrations and pitfalls with being a father in this day and age. And so we want to talk about those kinds of things um, in episodes yeah. to come. I mean, wide ranging from, I mean, it doesn't really matter if you're listening as a father or just a husband or just a young man or a minister, or if somehow you're like us and all of those things at the same time. Yeah, right. Um, uh, we kind of want to cover it all flowing out of our life experience and what we're learning, not you know, maybe there's some things that we can look back on with some kind of vantage. Uh, yeah, right. But for the most part, it's like it's like what we're in the thick of right now, and yeah. working out and trying to trying to figure it out as we go. With that, also, if you guys have questions, if you're a listener and you have a topic please, or an idea that you'd like for please, us to cover, yes, we don't consider ourselves to be authoritarians or or all knowledgeable on any subject, but. For sure, any questions that you guys have or topics that you'd like covered, we'd love to hear them. We'd love to put them on this podcast. We'd love to at least explore them, I think, is the best term that I can give for it is maybe we don't come up with a definitive answer on how to answer a question or to define a topic, but we like to get the ball rolling. We like to get some answers for you guys, maybe not the big ones, but the small ones on how do I lead? How do I do this? So if you have those, feel free to email us at info for the dads at gmail.com that's info for the dads at gmail.com and we will plan on those questions so yeah i think that that's about it episode zero, zero the pilot in in the books we're excited thank you so much uh for all of you guys listening we look forward to the future of this podcast again this one's for the dads encouraging every father with biblical understanding of everyday life to better minister inside and outside of the house. Michael, you got anything to close us with? I'm really excited. I think that I'm most excited to interact with whoever might choose to listen. I know, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So again, info 
forthedads at gmail so that we can get interacted with you. Check us out on Anchor FM. This will be on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you can get your podcast. We're going to be putting it out there. So make sure and check that one out. That This has been episode zero of This One's For The Dads. Michael, it's great talking to you as always, and we'll see you in the next episode, brother. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of This One's For The Dads. We're excited to kick this podcast off. This podcast is going to be available everywhere that you can get podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Check them all out. Save them. Check us out on anchor.fm backslash for the dads. And we'll see you guys in the next episode.